Welcome to the Australian Macadamia Society podcast. Listen in as we speak with macadamia growers, researchers and industry experts leading the way in best practice macadamia farming. For more information on anything you hear today, please head to our website, australianmacadamias.org industry. In episode two of the AMS podcast, Leonie Curtin, Industry Development Manager for the Australian Macadamia Society, speaks with water use experts Dr. Dan Manson from Australia and Tiana Smith from South Africa on the interrelationship between nutrient management and irrigation management. How are growers currently using nutrients to manage their crop? Why is it critical to know your orchard soil type and to understand how nutrients are moving in your soil? Dan and Tina's answered these questions and much more in this podcast. This is our second AMS podcast of the series and we're with Dr. Dan Manson from Australia and Tina Smith from South Africa. We've been talking about water use and macadamias uh, and today we're going to be chatting particularly about nutrient management and how irrigation and water management can be used as a tool on farm. So in the consultancy that you do with growers, how do you think growers are using uh, nutrients to manage their crop? Good morning, Leonie. Good morning, Dan. Um, that's a good question. I think we've been focusing on irrigation management on this, um, these courses over the last couple of weeks, and the topic that's often come up is the interrelation between irrigation management and nutrient management. Um, and often they go hand in hand. So um, I guess when we have an irrigation system that offers a vehicle for the application of liquid fertilizers and also um, micro sprinkler irrigation systems offer the ability to um, wash in uh, granular fertilizers which are spread through the orchard. So there's a couple of different approaches to nutrient management and they can be often tightly linked with your irrigation scheduling and application method. But it's a minefield really for growers. You know, how do they manage that or where do they even start with that tennis? I, I would definitely say that um, one thing, as with everything, you need to, need to measure. You need to know what uh, type of soil you're dealing with. Um, you need to know what you're applying um, and how those nutrients react with the soil. Um, if you are not sure, you can always consult um, one of your one of your local um, agronomists. But uh, it's it's critical that you know how nutrients move in the soil and what type of soil you've got on that farm. Um, you know, certain elements uh, are are held tightly by the soil, um, and even though you wash that in with uh, with water, um, a lot of it's not available to the plant and it's pretty critical that growers know what they're dealing with before they start um, applying nutrients through that system. Um, I would say a, a good suggestion would be just to get a, a generalized nutrient analysis done of, of your soil, um, but also then look at uh, some textural analysis, soil depth, um, and trying to get a good feel of what your irrigation system can do and how deep it washes certain nutrients. Do you think that growers actually have an understanding of the soil types that they're um, irrigating for or managing on all the blocks that they have? I don't think so. I think uh, in general there's a lot of variability in soils um, across farms. Farms have got very few f of the farms that we have um, across the world have uniform soils for, for hectares and hectares. Um, so you know, very few farmers I've gone to in the past or have advised in the past 
um, really have a clear indication of what the root zone is in different parts of the soil um, and also where a lot of these uh, uh, limitations to soil profiles are. So I think if I had a rough guess, I would say about 15 to 20% of farmers actually know what type of soil they're dealing with on their farm. Um, and it, it is a key limitation to a lot of these growers and to, for them to understand what they're doing. Dan, how do you think growers can navigate all the sales hype? Because th there's a lot of products out there that they could use. Salesmen always throw plant available in there. Um, how is it that growers can understand what nutrients are available to the plants depending on the soil type they're on? Yeah, so the interaction between soil type and nutrient availability is pretty strong. So a sand may not hold on to nutrients as, as good as, say, a heavy clay. Um, but generally, I think the, the feedback between soil and, um, and leaf nutrient levels is a good um, starting point. So you want to get your base idea of what, what your limitations and excesses of your soil nutrients are. But it's, I think as a primary tool, you should be using leaf nutrient diagnostics to manage your nutrient applications. So it's more important what the plant's actually taking up rather than what's in the soil. So you start with nitrogen. So we've got nitrogen, phosphorus and potassium are the major elements that the um, macadamia requires for production. So what we want to understand is whether or not the nutrients we're applying to our soils are making it into the plant. And we've got some guidelines for optimum ranges of those nutrients in the leaves. So I think your basic the basic um, requirement is to focus on the major elements, um, nitrogen, phosphorus and potassium, and, uh, and to only add the macro and trace elements to the soil when you, we're seeing deficiencies emerge in the leaves. And that's one of the, the um, most important things I can say, is that the application of complete fertilisers to some soil types may not result in the uptake of all those nutrients and the available forms of those nutrients is pretty critical um, especially with regard to phosphorus so we'll just macadamia is a specialist at extracting phosphorus from the soils um, being a member of the proteaceae family it has specialized roots called cluster roots or proteaceae roots which extract can extract phosphorus from usually highly immobile sources within soils and rocks so i think the emphasis should be on getting a baseline with your soil analysis but i think more frequently than that we should be looking at the nutrients that are making it up into the leaves that and it's actually amazing um the macadamia has an amazing ability to extract nutrients that are very low levels in the soil into healthy levels in the plant. So we should be managing nutrients not so much to fertilize the soil and get a complete availability, a complete set of nutrients that are available in the soil, but making sure there's some of every element in the soil and then checking how well the trees are pulling that out of your particular soil profile. Dan, you can, uh, if, if I'm correct in saying this though, um, you can easily over apply nutrients and still not see them uh, being taken up by the plant though. Um, you know, even on sandy soils which are not holding on to a lot of this, if, if, you, if your irrigation management is, uh, is not good, um, a lot of those nutrients will be leached out of the profile and, and it, again it will show up in your leaf analysis but 
um, you need a clear understanding of how water interacts with those chemicals on a certain soil type. Um, and applying more nutrients and more water is not always the key to, um, to getting better yields or getting healthier trees. No, and understanding how the, I guess understanding on the basically how the water is moving through your soil profile gives you a good understanding of where your nutrients are going. So coming back to the texture analysis, I think the texture of the subsoil and the depth to subsoil is probably one of the most critical elements of the analysis of your orchards that gives you an increased understanding of how you should be scheduling and how often you should be putting nutrients on. Just, to give, just so that you're not pouring a water down through a deep sandy profile or nutrients down through a deep sandy profile so that only 30 or 40% of your applied water and nutrients are getting on. If you can apply that more frequently on a well-drained soil profile then we may um, be able to put on less water and less nutrients and get better growth out of our trees. Another difficult area to understand is that we have a lot of foliar feeds that we can apply. What are some of the limitations to foliar, Tienis? I think um, foliars are, are always, uh, it's type of the bandage that you put on, on, uh, on the trees. Um, it's, uh, if you see a deficiency, um, it's pretty easy to rectify it with a foliar feed. Um, but it's definitely not the sustainable way to go. Certain elements, um, you know, su such as calcium, uh, even though it gets taken up in some scenarios by the leaf, it never gets reallocated to the rest of the tree. So it's, it's just sitting in that leaf. Um, and if you have a, a generalized shortage of, of stuff like calcium, you're not going to rectify it with a foliar feed. Um, and I think that's where, where growers really need to try and, and figure out how best works for them. Um, in general, the uptake of foliar fertilizers um, is, is very little, um, but uh, it's, it's, maybe it's a good supplement. Um, it's a little bit of a hot topic though. Um, it's a, it's a, a good supplement to your normal um, fertilizer program, but by no means can you only run on foliar fertilizers. Uh, the, the tree needs to take up a lot of critical elements through the roots um, and it has to be translocated in that tree through the roots and that translocation process from a foliar spray into the rest of the tree is always a tricky one to to get to um, so spending a lot of money on foliar fertilizers uh, you have to ask yourself the question if it might not be worth your while rather spending it on the soil and trying to understand your soil better and, and how the plants can take up uh, the nutrients from the soil yeah, that, that's a good point, Venus. I think um, yeah, we overemphasise sometimes the ability for the tree to pick up that nutrients. And this the economics of uh, spraying you know, foliar fertilisers in a mature orchard sometimes doesn't work out. But there, there are a few cases, like limited cases, where some of these trace elements in certain soil types may not be uptaken very well. And there's, there's often problems with getting zinc, and there's studies showing that it's sometimes difficult to get zinc into the roots. So there might be just those small cases where you want to top up trace elements which are available in the soil, but the plant's not being able to take it up, just to top that up just before um, flowering and coming into production season. But not really, as Tina's is saying, the best uh, approach for getting your major elements into the tree on a long-term basis. Now, I'm sure you've both been on an orchard, given a recommendation uh, for nutrients and come back and seen the growers applied double of what you've said, just as an insurance policy. What are some of the pitfalls of that? I think if you, if you get it wrong in certain cases, um, 
uh, hopefully a lot of growers don't do it but um, if growers are plying double um, there's a lot of increased risk that you might run into um, causing a lot of salt burn or, or nutrient burn in some of those trees um, especially if you've got poorly drained soils and you've got nutrients sitting in there um, uh, one of the common cases is if you've already got a poorly managed irrigation system um, and you don't get uh, sufficient washing of that uh, of those nutrients into the soil it just sits in the top layer concentrates burns off a lot of roots um, and that, that's that's just a, a physical uh, limitation that you that you're getting into but I think one of the critical things is um, the, these trees uh, according to to what I see um, over the past few years are are pretty good at taking up nutrients um, and if you are going to double up on certain elements um, and I think Dan can can add to this but adding a lot more nitrogen uh, we seem to see that the trees just grow more and more vigorously um, and you know increased vigor is at the end of the day it's going to cause a decrease in, in the crop that you've got um, the trees will favor vegetative growth over reproductive growth um, and, and that's just a, something we've been seeing in general. I think um, especially when it comes to phosphorus as well, um, a big uh, problem in, in a lot of the South African uh, production areas is over application of phosphorus leads to a whole bunch of other problems. Um, phosphorus to toxicity is one of them but it also binds a lot of your key elements um, such as iron um, which then leads to a lot of the other problems um, that you don't want to want to run into. So most of the time, those fertilizer programs are well thought through by by an agronomist. If it's a if it's a trusty agronomist or a consultant, um, and they finally try to balance a lot of those elements in the soil. Yeah, I agree, Tennis. Unfortunately, macadamia leaf isn't worth that much money. So in a mature orchard, if you're growing a lot of leaf, then um, you pro you can't sell that leaf for money. You can sell nuts for money. And you can actually control the balance between leaf production and nut production in a mature orchard if you manage your nitrogen correctly. So you've got to pay a lot of attention to the, the response of your different varieties to different nutrient applications, especially nitrogen. So it's, I don't think there's any blanket recipe for multiple varieties in one orchard where you can say, this is a nitrogen application. This is a good start to give an even amount of nitrogen to every tree. But I think you need to understand that there's a balance, a very fine balance sometimes with some varieties, where if you get the nitrogen application perfect, then you can, you can markedly increase your sustained yields in your orchards. I think that also contributes then to, um, you know, just in general, if you're looking at, at combination fertilizers, um, in certain times of the year, you might not want NP and K in the in the mix. Um, in certain times, you don't want vegetative growth on the trees, and and that's why it's highly advisable. Um, you know, if those mixes aren't perfectly balanced, and um, for your specific need, I'd, I'd advise a lot of growers actually to stay away from them, rather go to some some more balanced mixes. Um, especially a lot of the mixes we see have got high phosphorus in them. Um, and as you've said earlier, there's, there's not a lot of, the, the trees are good at taking up phosphorus and uh, if you're disturbing those balances, it might just cause you a, a significant reduction in yield. 
And down in tennis, what gets more complicated is we know the benefits of putting organic material on the orchard floor. A lot of growers are doing that. It, it does give us a whole lot of benefits, but how do they manage that as well in the nutrient release and that going into the plant availability? So some of these manures in, in these composts are quite high in phosphorus and have come, come with nutrients. So when you're doing your nutrient balance to a farm, you must pay attention to the nutrients that are coming in with the compost because as we said before, the trees are very good, these macadamia trees are very good at extracting nutrients in any form from the soil profile, however that comes into the farm. So a good, a, a good starting point is to calculate for your yield how much phosphorus or nitrogen you might be taking off or potassium you might be taking off your farm when you harvest three or four tonnes of nuts. And that gives you a, a basic idea on the replacement requirements for sustaining those yields year in, year out. If you apply excess or like much excess into what you're pulling off of the farm, then you can drive the trees to become imbalanced, um, grow too much leaf, which leaves them at, to be much more susceptible to drought events and heatwave events into the future. Tinas, do you think that we can manage the trees with nutrients to keep them um, buffered from drought events? Yes, I, I think you can. Um, I think it, it also, um, as we said at the start, it's, it's that interlinkage between water and nutrients. Um, if you are going to go and push a lot of growth into vegetative, or uh, push a lot of nitrogen to, to try and stimulate a lot of vegetative growth, you're adding a lot more leaf area to that tree. Um, and if your irrigation system is only washing those nutrients into a small portion of the soil, um, your roots will be fairly limited. They won't have to work as hard and won't be as extensive, so they will be limited. Um, and if you then get into a drought scenario where you've got a big canopy and a limited root volume, which has been treated, uh, been, been spoiled a little bit, um, if that small amount of soil volume dries out, you run out of water or any of those types of situation, you're sitting with a very big canopy um, to, uh, to take care of um, uh, with a limited amount of roots. And, and that's typically when you will see trees starting to shed a lot of leaves. Um, they, they, some of them, if they're highly stressed, they'll shed a bit of leaf um, just to try and maintain that balance and, and ensure their survival. But I think there is some, it's, it's a little bit difficult though. Um, you know, soils are, as, as with the atmosphere, soils are, are quite vast and you can't always control where, um, what type of elements are held. And, and these, these trees are good at extracting those elements in the soil. So, um, it's something one needs to take care of straight through the production cycle and like Dan has mentioned, you know, keep it sustainable. Um, it's better to get four and a half tons over the next 10 years than just getting it one year and then nothing in the rest of the, of the time. Yeah, we often fall into the um, pitfalls of just observing the above ground growth of the tree. But I think the most important thing in we're finding in macadamia management, orchard management, is that the balance between root growth and crown growth is, is quite important in making resilient trees and highly productive trees. So um, yeah, as, as Tennis was just saying, you can, um, if you're putting the nutrients and water in a very small part of the root volume, you can grow a very big tree in a very small amount of roots. But those, those trees that you create may not necessarily be the most resilient trees or the most highly productive trees. So by giving 
the trees small amounts of water and nutrients so that there's the tree actually has to go and work and look for the water and nutrients we can grow a much larger root system which will lead to more resilience in drought and will in will tend to lead to highly productive orchards well thanks so much for your time today it's been great hearing from you thank you thanks Leonie. Join us on the beautiful Sunshine Coast Queensland this October for OSMAC 2020, the Australian Macadamia Industry Conference. Over two and a half days, internationally acclaimed growers, researchers and experts will provide you with the latest results and technical information about key macadamia research, best practice, on-farm innovation and management. There's a fantastic mix of practical workshops and information sessions, a mega trade expo and lots of social networking. Tickets go on sale 31 March. For more info, visit the AMS website, australianmacadamias.org industry.